Welcome to ABC Cafe. My name is Anthony Apodaca. In today's episode, we speak with Yasemin Gordon. She is the equity director for the city of Winooski. We talk about her role in community outreach and also the development of the city of Winooski in general. We talk about the hurdles she's facing, the work she's doing, and we talk a little bit about the police in Winooski and how that contrasts with some of our conversations around the city of Burlington. It was a lively conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Without further delay, here's the interview. Yasemin Gordon, thank you for coming on ABC Cafe. <laughs> Thanks for having me, and thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. <laughs> well, I was thank- like, I don't know if you just saw that. I got that little thumbs up. I was like, you did it, yeah. I saw it, but I'm sure our audience did not. <laughs> no, thank you for telling me how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, so first, you're the equity director of Winooski. Yes. So basic question that everyone is dying to know, what the hell is an equity director? <laughs> Is an equity director. I know. I get that and, question all the and time. So yeah, in your own words or in your job descriptions words. <laughs> so really, you know, what I tell people is I am the person who works for the city who is bringing power to the people. Okay. I mean, it kind of in a nutshell, you know, I am, they, they hired me to make sure that the most underrepresented voices of the city are brought forth and are, you know, are advocated for and are amplified and also are being invited into the process. So the municipality really realized that, you know, looking around at themselves and they kind of did a deep dive and they were like, we don't represent the folks that we are supposed to be serving. Like, how are we going to best serve them if we don't even have people who can speak to their perspective and what their lived experiences are? And so they were like, we need somebody who is an expert at getting people um, to be heard. And that is exactly what an equity director is supposed to do. That is my charge. Um, And also to make sure that our systems are set up so that there doesn't necessarily have to be a person, but, um, you know, set up in a way for folks to be able to access the supports on their own, you know, without having to have so many different barriers and and things in the way to try to get them what they really need you know when mm-hmm. even things as, as simple as like signing up for a pool pass you had you have no idea like how complicated that can be for somebody who doesn't understand that system you know i couldn't even figure it out my wife did <laughs> my wife did it <laughs> it's hot i know i was actually so i was just telling you that i'm planning on bringing my daughter and her friend to the pool this afternoon and working from there and i went on to try to figure out, like, can I just bring money and pay in cash or do I have to? And I couldn't even figure it out. I'm literally going to go up there today and be like, um, so here's my money. Hopefully we can swim because I didn't get to sign up for a and slot. I'm sure you can just go and say, hey, equity director. <laughs> I don't want to do that, though, because <laughs> that that would be like the complete antithesis of the work that I'm doing. So when I've heard about um, in other institutions or organizations where there's this type of role, oftentimes the role is focused on the institution. Yes. So the representation within the organization itself. So yes. is that a function of your job or is is that is it is it more about the community participation? That's the other function of my job. So I tell people that there I kind of came into this with two, wearing two hats um, for this position because 
the position was created because the city secured the Working Communities Challenge Grant from the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. And so yeah. that's a, a chunk of $300,000 that is built towards, um, that is meant to amplify the voices of the unheard within the city and make sure that they have, you know, an opportunity to provide input and to be a part of the system. And then the second hat is me actually looking at how to diversify the workplace when it comes to the actual municipality. So that is a part of so my So you're job doing as well. both, basically. Doing both, yes. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, so also going back to one thing you said, which, so you live in Shelburne. I do. So when we're talking about representing, you know, amplifying the voice of Winooski, but you don't live in the community. Right. Have you found that to be an issue? Not, no, not really, because it's really not about me whatsoever. You know, okay. I came into the job. I think that's one of the reasons why I secured the job, because it is interesting having somebody come in kind of as an outside um, person who doesn't have experience in the community. Um, all of the work that I'm doing, any decisions that are being made are not decisions that I am making. They are decisions that I'm going out to find out from the people what needs to be done. And then I help the city implement it. So really, it's just I'm just kind of the conduit from the, you know, the citizens, the, re the residents of the community to the city. Um, right. So I don't necessarily have so you're to not be... coming in from the outside with a bunch of fancy ideas oh, of how, no, how, how us Winooski folks are supposed to be doing no it. No way. My biggest question is, well, have you talked to the people about it? You know what I yeah. mean? At our leadership right. meetings and when things are presented to me, I'm like, well, I can find out and I'll bring that information back to you. I'm certainly not speaking for the community at all. So let's dive into the nitty gritty here. Who are you talking to? What are they saying and what, what are you communicating back? What are, what are the projects that you're working on or the initiatives that people have said, these are, these are the things that are important yes. to us right now? So I have a team, well, there are multiple people throughout the community um, that I work with. And for the Working Communities Challenge, um, I have a kind of like a steering committee, a leadership team for that particular grant work. And it involves um, representatives from people all throughout the community. We have people from, you know, representatives from USCRI, rep representatives from AALV, representatives from the cultural liaison team from the school. We have youth representative. We have a community member. We have folks from the family room. We have folks from from all over the place. It's a team of like twelve people that um, are come from all the kind of have a lot of intersectionality who are all actually community members and members of these other organizations. So there's a lot of really great combinations there. Um, so that's kind of like my core team that I go to because they also have the capacity to go out and get information from their clientele, the people who they're working with. Spectrum Youth Services is also on there. Um, right. So we're really trying to So they're to all reach... sort of volunteering to be on this committee. Yes, yes. Okay. And that was something that was partially established before I came in. Um, and then I kind of wide, I casted a wider net to get more involvement on that team. That was one of my first tasks as the director because I realized that not all of the voices were represented. We also have, um, you know, the Winooski Housing Authority and we have some members from the senior center as well. So I'm really trying to create a situation where there is representation from all facets of the community and that those people who are coming to speak at that table are representing communities and they're getting information directly from the source, mm -hmm. directly from the people that they're serving, um, which is absolutely important. And then, you know, the other, uh, on the other side of that, that's just a table full of people, but 
one of the things that I fully believe in um, that that I came into this work is really being out and about in the community. And that's what I'm doing. I mean, clearly, I, I'm not in my office very often. People uh-huh. are constantly looking for me because I'm never there. But I'm down at Elm Street. You know, I'm talk. I'm going to community events in the park. I'm hanging out at the pool. I'm, re- you know, I'm going down into the businesses. And All right, here's some F-35. Uh, here they come. Yep. They're, they're here. Of course, it's got to be it's Friday at 10 a.m., right? Friday. How many times have we changed this? And it's got to be the time when they're back. Yeah, they're back. Is there going to be um, another one? Probably. Aren't there usually like four at it least? It depends. I'm just wondering. Oh, here it yeah. goes. Here's All number right. two. So we'll just, we're going <laughs> to record this whole thing. And this is for posterity and as my argument why these planes should leave. Yeah. I mean, every meeting that we have, there's, you know, if this starts to happen, everybody just kind of pauses. We just sit. Yeah. And just sit. So now is a good time. Uh, we'll do a quick ad <laughs> for the. I don't do ads. I meant yeah. like an ad for the news. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know. What you mean. I know okay. What you mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll do a quick ad. Um, I'll get this out, but way before then. So September seventh, six p.m. Winooski City Council meeting is going to be focused on getting community feedback around the F-35s. And Christine Lott invited the governor and the guard commanders to be at the meeting. Um, I'm assuming the governor will completely ignore that. We'll never hear from him. But the guard has agreed to be there. Wonderful. So if you live in Winooski, or even if you don't, you can show up to the meeting and tell the guard um, how you feel about being assaulted um, in your own home on a daily basis. (laughs) I love that you're inviting the community. People should show up. I mean, that's such a huge piece of my work um, is to get people to the table so that we can hear your voices. So it's important. I'm glad that you're plugging this. (laughs) All right. So maybe there's only three planes this time. Um, okay, so you have your community uh, roundtable. Yes. Your your um. My team. Your team. You have your team, team, and then you're you just you, uh, the train of thought we lost uh, was uh, you're Getting going out. out you're on Elm I'm Street. So what I'm, do you? I'm in Elm Street. I'm going to community events. Last week there was a um, a wonderful group that I'm, I'm. You're gonna have to excuse me because I there are so many acronyms for so many different. <laughs> Groups. Oh, it's like being in the military. And I'm like never rem- being able to remember what acronym belongs to what group. But there was a group of folks that did a week long um, community event last week over in the park behind the community center, uh-huh. um, the O'Brien Community Center. And it was all. Um, presentations around what it means to be in a community, what it means to be in this community. It talks about, you know, it was giving education around systemic racism um, and really literally bringing that information to the people. And it was a week long event that started at 8 a.m. and ended at like 9 p.m. And they set up tents in the park and there was free food and it was just a drop in situation. So I dropped in there a couple of times, you know, was just listening to what folks had to say. It was really amazing and meaningful and those, I, I want to partner, you know, I, I, um, here they come again. They're, yeah, that's fine. We'll just we keep had, going. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I was saying that these are the types of things that the city, if we're aware that these things are happening, like these people had to, you know, get an event permit, right? They had to use the park in that way. And so when those things are happening, I want the city to get behind them, right? To, to actually support the effort and to support the cause, not just to approve the, you know, the application for the, event right we should be a part of that and we could be partnering with with these people to 
Who put that event on? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, the you name can't remember the, the name because of the I'll acronyms. Send it to okay, you yeah, afterwards. So, yeah, but um, fine. yeah, but it was a, it's a statewide group, and they actually travel around to all the different cities. Um, in well, not all of the different cities in Vermont, but kind of the larger cities in Vermont. I guess before they came to Winooski, they were in Bennington okay. doing some work. So I'll get you the name of the group, but it was really wonderful. So of the, you've only been in the the position was um, May tenth. May tenth. Yes. Yeah. So that was my first day. So you've had. One, two, three months plus 10 days. Yeah. What have you done with our money? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, so, so another way, to, let, me, let me rephrase that, is from the, from the input you're getting from the different groups and yes. being out in the community, you know, what two or three things have surfaced as these are, these are concerns that mm-hmm. the community has and these are sort of things that we think we can do to address it. Well, you know, as of course, as you know, um, over the summer, like very quickly after I stepped into this role, the charter for all resident voting was approved. And, you know, they went through that wonky process where, you know, it was vetoed. And then we, uh, yeah, you know, we should just, the veto. we should just highlight um, that Governor Scott vetoed it. <laughs> um, so shame on you. He's got it. And check then, that um, Republican box, doesn't yeah. he? Um, and then um, it was overridden by. By the, the, by the house, yeah. so um, it, it passed ultimately. It did, which is wonderful. And the Winooskians, we all, the, you know, the folks here wanted it to pass, which is wonderful. So that is a great example of even though you know the powers that be tried to tried to um, to silence the people, it still rang through. And so my point is, is that because that happened, now of course a lot of the focus in the city is making sure that the process for, for the next election cycle is going to be completely inclusive um, to make sure that we, what does that look like? Well, it looks like really, you know, prepping and educating the folks who work for the city clerk's office because the city clerk's office are the people who put on all of the elections and they're responsible for all of it. And so really, you know, baseline beginning to educate them on how to be inclusive in that process, how to work with, you know, our community partners to ensure that there are translation services, how to to make sure that the city is going to be providing educational opportunities prior to, you know, and coming up to the election cycle um, for residents who are new to it, because these we're talking about a whole new demographic of people who have never been able to vote in our elections before that Mm -hmm. are going, you know, that we're inviting to the table. And so instead of just saying like, hey, you can vote now, come do it. There has to be some education in that process, you know, to give to give people the information that they need to vote in a way that they feel is is um, how much does that include uh, like multilingual support? Um, A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm, you know, for the adults, you know, when you you see the the children around, we have a very diverse community and refugee resettlement. So. You know, I I can kind of tell walking around that many of the adults just don't speak English, but many of the children do. Right. So we have a really high rate of English language learners, you know, ELL learners here um, as adults in Winooski. Um, And so we partner. We partner with the, you know, with AALV, their interpreter and translation services. USCRI also has some. And then the school district um, has an entire team full of people that they call the cultural liaisons, the homeschool liaisons, who are all fluent in the at least the six major the six main um or the six um most spoken languages in the city. What are those? I don't know actually. Swahili, Arabic, 
um arabic really yeah arabic is one swahili arabic um oh my gosh now you're you're catching me off guard because i have to like <laughs> rattle these off and i literally just my whole point them. inviting you on this podcast was to expose <laughs> you as a fraud Wait, let me let <laughs> me get out my phone i'm like blanking out I'm now i'm a secret republican um, <laughs> i think burundi is one and um i was just you know we don't have to vietnamese is up there okay, yeah. I, I literally there, so there are six and I'm, i would have named like just swahili and I don't know. That was the only one I would yeah. come up with. But it, so yeah. It, but also, you know, only one of the one of the challenges for this is recognizing that there are twenty one different languages wow. that are spoken, right? And so if we are only targeting six because they have the largest number, and also a lot of uh, some of the six languages are also multilingual, um, and so right. they can, you know. Uh, but if we only target those six, then we're still missing people. Mm -hmm. And so really, um, you know, working with these other agencies to try to figure out how we can provide information in each individual language. It's a lot. It's a lot of translation and interpretation work. Um, and it's not always easily. Some of the languages that are spoken are not um recorded languages so they don't have um a written language which is also interesting so making sure that we are able to reach those folks too so what it is record is, a podcast well, yeah, <laughs> it's involving the community right it yeah. really is it's saying like hey we need your help this is a way that you can help support each other and help support one another um and so let's all bring you all like let's bring everybody to the table and let's work on how we can get the information out there so that's what we're doing by we have hired um, a consultant agency to come in and help us do an audit this fall. That's It's actually a really big project. It's going to be five months long. And they are going to help us understand exactly where the gaps mostly... Can you talk about that consultant agency? Yes, like, I would who, love who? to talk about them. I love them. Yeah, well, because, well, you know, there's... My eyes always... Uh, my eyebrows always raise whenever anyone's like, we're hiring an outside consulting firm right. to teach us about racism in Vermont. Well, not exactly that. And, and, and Yeah, I know it's not... I'm assuming it's not that, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just... You know, my, my instincts are always like... I'm scared of anyone doing consulting <laughs> but yes yes and so you know we put it we put an rfp out for everybody you yeah, know which is right. just an advertisement to say hey we want to do an equity audit we want to dive deep and we want people to come rfp in and, for our listeners is request for proposal for yes. those of you who are not hip to the business acumen it's slang. basically an advertisement to say hey we need folks to propose what you might do to come and help us yeah um, and mm -hmm. so you know we accepted this proposal from a firm called ibg out of washington dc um it is a bipartisan owned business a BIPOC and immigrant owned business um, with just a couple of folks who are already doing this work for other cities they're doing some work in Lansing Michigan they're doing some work out west um, and really it, they have a really cool approach that is a little bit more innovative than the typical approach of people you know what we usually get are consultant agencies that come in and they want to do, you know, they want to talk to city leadership first yep. and they want to talk to the council and then they want to review policies and procedures. Right. Yeah. They want to like d dive deep into the work. And then why I'm skeptical. And then at some point later, they're like, oh, we'll, you know, we'll just talk to a couple people and we'll get, you know, a couple voices at the table and then we'll tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. Well, I think These you're missing folks... a step because they talk to the mayor, then they talk to the city council, then yeah. they review the policies and procedures, then they publish a report. Right. And then someone says, you didn't talk to. You didn't talk to the people. To the people. Then exactly. they like, then they. 
maybe do like a, a revised statement or an addendum right. yep. that is and a complete afterthought. And we're seeing that in our neighbors to the north. Uh, <laughs> we're seeing that happening. Um, but this firm actually starts, they begin with outcomes. They begin with talking with the people and they talk with the people and they find out what it what are the needs and what are the things that people are hoping the city will provide and they work backwards from there mm-hmm. so they're coming in and the first thing that they're doing is they're asking me you know asking the folks of the city because really it's our work to do it's not there so they're guiding us through the work but they're not doing the work we very much are okay we are create you know working to be able to create opportunities for community feedback feedback and input so we're going to be hosting community input nights community feed put feed back nights all throughout the fall in multiple um you know multiple locations multiple times we're really trying to get as many people to the table as possible um and then they're going to from those create focus groups that are you know that are community led and then from there we are going to create a steering committee that is community led and that are that is how we are going to get the information that they are going to put out in from their in, like in their initial report so there will be two reports that come uh-huh. here they come again yep um that you know that are come as a result of this audit and so the first part of it like kind of the first stage is all of the community input and then they're going to synthesize that data and they're going to bring it back to the community. They're not even going to bring it to us. They're going to bring it back to the community and right. say, hey, here's what you told us. Do we have it right? Uh-huh. Do we have it yep. correct? And if we don't, tell us what we're missing. Then from there, that's when they're going to come into the city and say, okay, these are what everybody says you're not doing right. So let's look at your policies and procedures now to figure out why. What is preventing you from not meeting the community at the, you know, where they're at and meeting the need of the people? It- it's it's funny because it's it sounds so logical. Right? It's amazing that people do it the other way. You I know. know. What I mean? So you yeah. always you always have to start off with you know what is what what are the issues and what problems are you trying to solve and what's important to you and then work from there. Not you not know the other way around. It, like, yeah, it's sort of like if you were just doing anything that's even basic project management yep. for for like a house. You know, you don't start off thinking about like what kind of faucet. Yeah, you exactly. Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's why I'm always excited to talk about them because out of all of the firms that we had, um, you know, give us a, a proposal, they were the only ones who focused on the community first. And so right away, I was like, these are the people. They have to be, you know, uh-huh. like I don't know how I can, as an equity director who's literally supposed to be, you know, providing um, opportunities for the people to be amplified, this is what this firm wants to do. Of course. This is like a no-brainer, so I'm really excited. So when does that kick off? Um, next week is our first. Next meeting week with for them. five months. Yes. Okay. So and then the result of that more. will, I mean, hopefully, we'll have some kind of. They're going to give us, of course, you know, recommendations on how we can. Really, what it's going to be is looking at our procedures and how we go about um, getting community input, how we go about getting folks to the table, you know, because we don't have anybody at the table. I'm the only, you know, person in leadership that is a person of color. And then Hal Colson is. And you live in Shelburne. And I live in Shelburne. (laughs) And I live in Shelburne, which is interesting, right? I mean, and and then Hal Colson is one of our council members. um, And then, you know, we have a very non diverse staff in the city and so that's part of it it's like if we're going to serve people we got to have people who we're serving give them the opportunities to come in and work for us too with full-time work with benefits and pay them well you know compensate them for their work so that's going to be um what happens that's going to be a part of the recommendations that they make on how we can diversify and also how we can better serve the community in our programming Mm -hmm. yeah 
you know, we had a comp, uh, uh, working with some people on the, uh, you know, advocate, ad, to advocate for the removal of the F 35s fine, mm. you know, in this city. And we were kind of talking about how we could get different people in Winooski involved. And, and someone raised this question, which I thought was really good, basically just saying, well, like, what do, what do we know about what they want and their priorities? Not, not to say that they wouldn't, that they don't like the jets or they wouldn't want them to leave. But mm -hmm. for example, they might very well hate the jets, but if you're food insecure or if you really haven't figured out how your kid's going to get the education that they yeah. need, are you going to show up to like rally against the F-35? So like right. for me, I have all those questions answered more or less <laughs> to the extent that anyone can be secure in life. I'm pretty secure yeah. in, in terms of food and sh um, shelter, education. And so for me, it's like, oh, okay, now I, ha I have time and energy to like bitch about the F-35s <laughs> and actually put some time and energy into removing them, which I think is important, you know, not not just for like the noise complaint, but to, to take a statement against U.S. militarism mm -hmm. at home and abroad, which does actually negatively impact to the point of death people in other countries. Yes, so it does. It's not necessarily just like a privileged problem, but it's a different priority than it maybe is. you would have for like people living in Winooski. It's true. And it doesn't, the thing is, is that it doesn't mean that folks who are having, you know, challenges meeting basic needs doesn't mean that they don't have opinions about the jets. It doesn't mean that they don't, you know, that they do or don't like them or that they support or don't support them. It's just that their priorities, like you said, are completely different. And so you can still obtain folks perspective about the jets, but you just, you have to go to them. You can't expect, you know, if, if there's going to be a council meeting, you know, and I, I've been there where I've been worried about putting food on the table for my, me and my child. And somebody, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, Oh, will you attend the next board meeting? I'm like, no, because I got to go make money so that I can make sure I get my grocery shop in this week. Yeah. You or know? I'm just really freaking tired <laughs> yeah. because, because I worked all day exactly. and I want to curl up in a ball and watch like finding Nemo with yeah. my kid. But it's whatever. like, if the council, Council wants to know what I think. Tell them to call me. I'll pick up the phone for a second and I'll tell them I hate the Jets or I love the Jets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'll do that. But uh, don't expect me to, like, take time out of my day to come to this venue to do that. And so that's part of my, my I mean, that's part of my charge is, like, figuring out the ways that the, the traditional systems that we use where we're like, oh, open meeting law. Anybody can come to our open meetings that we have on a Monday evening at 6 p.m., <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean for a council meeting? No, anybody. But the can't one come on to the that. seventh is a Tuesday because oh, of Labor Day. So there you go. That should free up. <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So everybody knows that the BIPOC communities has Tuesdays available. We got Tuesdays. <laughs> Tuesdays apparently. are off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's about having you know coming up with like innovative ways to say like we we're just going to have an ongoing system for community input. It doesn't have to be on this day at that time. Let's just have a place a time like let's have some let's set something up where p we can be getting and receiving feedback on a consistent basis all the time we can do it through our website all we right let's let's yeah so how center. yeah how would you do that that's an interesting question because i'm a, i'm a technology person you know yeah. I, I we i actually am a sort of work for a consulting business but for, mm -hmm. for publishing and um designing systems so i think i've thought about that like what is not yeah, what is like um, from an infrastructure or almost like technical, like mechanical sense, mm. the best sort of form or method of getting that kind of consistent community feedback that that is a departure from the traditional 
methods that we've you know relied on that could be more inclusive yeah. by design. Well, I talk to our communications director, Paul, about this all the time. He's wonderful. And there is no, there, the thing about it is that the, there's no like right answer to that. Really what it is, is fe- like on the technological side of things, you know, not everybody has a cell phone. Not everybody has an access to social media. Not everybody wants to engage in social media, but that seems to be the way that we are <laughs> engaging and getting information out there these days. Yeah. You know, even for, I, I had to, um, you know, my daughter's going back to school this, this September and just received an email from CVSD that's like, oh, all of your emergency information, all the forms that you have to fill out around like emergency contacts and consent to have them visit the nurse's office if they get hurt and all that stuff. That used to be like a whole pack that we would get in the mail that we would then sign and then send with our kid for the first day of school. Everything has been digitalized now. Everything has been digitized. And so now I'm having to do it online. And the whole time I'm thinking about it, I'm going, what about people who one, don't speak English and two, don't have access to internet or, you know, or email? Like, what are they doing for those people? is, you know, something that I think about all the time. And so really what it's about is having multiple pathways, right? So it's not about having one thing that works the best. It's about having the offer of many different things that get at everyone's ability and and access. So it's not about just saying like, oh, we're just going to stick with technology because everybody owns a smartphone. That's not necessarily true. It's about we can do the smartphone. We can do the social media. We can also print the, you know, we're working with the school district in Winooski. Um, and now we've combined efforts to have just a Winooski newsletter that literally is being mailed out to every single mailbox every month that has tons of information in it around so what's going on. Multilingual? Um, it Unfortunately, not yet. <laughs> Because as we were talking, I just realized that the flyer we're going to make for the F-35 is only going to be in English. Yeah. And, like, you, know, you know, I have to say that, you know, translating things into multi multiple languages isn't always the best way to reach people either. Um, it can be about... Ha- providing people the opportunity to come in and listen um, to get information. So just as an FYI, mm-hmm. like that, yeah, that's helpful, but it's not all, it doesn't mean in like automatically that you're going to reach. There are a lot of people that are in all among our community and everywhere else that speak English or don't that are not, you know, that have, um, that don't have um, competent literacy capacity, you know, right. ca- capacity and things like that. So, um, you know, it's just one thing to think about, but creating multiple pathways for people to get information is really where, what it's about, right. you know, creating opportunities where if there are people who can't read or write to come in and listen and get information, that's one way, you know, putting videos out and, and, um, you know, putting them in places like our local library and making it free to people to come in to watch the videos or in, and making advertising and getting the word out to say like, we're going to host this night where if you want to know more about the F-35s and what's going on, or if you want to watch the recording of the video of the meeting that's happening on the 7th come to the library at this time and we'll have it translated for you in different languages and you can sit that's and put a really on good headphones. idea i want to do this podcast about the f-35s <laughs> but like in the park yeah and have it like a p like do like a pa and then yes, even have like exactly. a translator to come or whatever to this you really got to go into the communities like the expectation to have people come to you is really what is, is really what's creating the greatest barrier to information um you know right. so bring getting the information to people boots on the ground. I'm always a proponent for and and, and want to, um, you know, I want, I want to support efforts to be boots on the ground. Cause that's really how people get the info. 
Yeah, and the park down there, uh, I don't remember what it's called, where the dog run is. Uh, I don't know. There's so many parks that's in Winooski. But but yeah, a, the one right behind a, the OCC. It's a major meet, yeah, it's a major meeting hub. You know, or, it is. You know, people are always milling about there. It's like a little community central spot. Yeah, and people stop by. I mean, I watched and it when I was now, there. Too. The pool. And, you know, um, what's Landry Park for the yeah, pool Landry as park. well. You know, that's where the skate park is. It's where the play. There's a great playground there. People hang out there. There are softball games. That's where the city is hosting, like, our movie nights. Those are opportunities for us to bring information, even if it's just tabling and saying like, hey, do you want to know more about this? People are here to speak with you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so that's the community aspect. So what about the um, the staffing mm. and sort of the uh, Winooski City Hall organizational yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah let's- we are going through this. I, I get another consulting group. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't need to do that. We actually have a phenomenal, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Phoebe Townsend, who is our HR director. Okay, who great. Who just started, she started in the city right before COVID and she came to us from, um, I think she was the HR director from at Echo beforehand okay. and she came in and she is she has been my go-to since I have come into this job and she has, you know, such a, a great in-depth, um, plan uh, as to how to diversify the workplace. And she's been working with, um, you know, she's on the, the um, equity committee for the VLTC for the Vermont League of Cities and Towns. Um, and she's working, she's got so many different partners that she's working with both in Vermont and nationally on increasing the effort to diversify the workplace. And she's, she's really diving in and doing the work and um, she's bringing the work to the table to our leadership team as well, you know, thing. And she's also bringing it to city council during our policies, priorities and strategies meeting, um, you know, she came up with the idea to um, use the the lens. There's a there's a toolkit that's called like, you know, identifying white supremacy culture. Mm-hmm. And it is just, a, you know, it's just a toolkit that you can use when you're having a meeting and talking about making decisions and thinking about the lens that that's coming from. And it also so it has like identifiers it has ways for you to identify like okay so if we are creating cultural norms that is something that is culturally status quo of white privilege right that we create norms that are based on the status quo of being white Mm -hmm. and so that is something that we can that we can that's really easy that we can move away from um to in to to be able to be inclusive of more cultural norms or different cultural norms so is podcasting on that as a list of white <laughs> no it's not no it is not sweet yeah i think you're set i think it's all Thank right God, well this I'm is so happy. i mean podcasting is a way to get information <laughs> out there to people you know it provides yeah. people a listening platform um for information so i love cool. podcasts i have a really good friend who has a podcast as well oh yeah that I, I like yeah that, i have a black friend <laughs> who has a no, for real though, he's I'm, black. No, I have, a, I have a white podcasting friend. Do it's you? fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this is so much fun. Yeah, and I listen to him all the time, and he gives me so many good ideas that I never thought about. So I hope that people. I don't know what your um what your audience is. But I don't like, know either, honestly. I have no idea who these people are, but <laughs> I'm trying to engage in what you know. I think bringing on different people and mm-hmm. then sort of now you can go to to your community and say hey i was on this show yes. so every time i have a guest that does that i think it builds and then there's some my, my, one of my goals is crossover yeah 
um, to 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 different issues, right? So we're talking about a particular topic, and maybe someone's interested or knows you about this, and then mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, there was also this um pot, th- this this I like that." So now let me check out the one um with Dry Hightower and the Burlington Police. There you or go. Now let me check out about the F thirty five. So it's trying to just suck people in a little bit to the various local issues in in a way that's a little bit longer than you know, and I think a little bit more flattering to the mm-hmm. guests that's yes. not like being interviewed in seven days or, no, or something yeah. um, where you don't have the long form platform to just kind of like say a complete sense well it's great i think it's working because when you um when you interviewed jess when you were talking with jess laporte um she like sent it in a, she sent the whole link to the podcast in this group that we're in she, she runs this uh, like a hiking group oh, for yeah, bipoc cool. women and we're there's like you know 40 different members of this group that go on various hikes throughout vermont oh, cool, and meet up yeah. and stuff like that just to be in the outdoors and she sent into that group and so boom there you go 40 different people who yeah. might not have known about it were yeah, like cool. commenting on it and talking about how great it was and it's it was awesome. pretty cool yeah that's cool yeah um so yeah you were I, we just went on a tangent i, I don't even remember what <laughs> we were talking okay. <laughs> i'm a terrible you were talking host about diversifying diversifying um, oh yeah the, the yeah the, the city so you're you know the identifying white supremacy culture yes which I don't know. I've seen various forms of lists like that. Yes. Some are better or worse. I don't know if I want to go into the, the details on it. Well, it's more about just being aware of where the norms, like where the structures are coming from and right, who, yeah. they're, who they're best serving. Like it's really just being, you know, being aware of and cognizant of that and then acting upon that. Like when you, when you, when you recognize that something isn't necessarily serving anybody but the white culture, then shifting and saying like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how can we shift this so that it makes it more meaningful and more accessible to everybody? Right. So that's what you do when you're looking to diversify the workplace as well. You're looking at your hiring practices. You're looking at the way that you advertise. You know, yep. Phoebe and I have been sitting down really going over our job descriptions as in the city and saying like, okay, who are these really geared towards? And if I were... Well, there was that example from the... Um the Champlain School District and the hiring of the director for the master's degree requirement. Yes. That, so yes. that would be like maybe an example where right. like having a mat. Okay. Yeah. It sounds, and this is sort of, I wouldn't call it, I, I, I prefer to say like ruling, mm-hmm. ruling elite yeah. <laughs> or culture basically because, you know, there's an enforcement of like the status quo, which could be beyond well, and we all you know, know that, that, you know, in order to get a master's degree, we know the barriers that exist for people of color to go that far in their career. Right. Yeah. But that exactly. doesn't mean that somebody without a master's degree isn't perfectly capable and could be a great fit for doing the work. Right. You know, and so having that as a prerequisite, boom, off, you know, completely, um, you know, it, it that excludes an entire demographic of people <laughs> that could right. come forward and be wonderful applicants for the position. Right. And so basically, it's one of those things that it sounds benign. Right. Right. And and so I think that's what makes it hard for people to identify. And when you talk to people, like you have a, a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, what do you mean? I just want someone with a master's degree. Yeah. Like, I'm not reinforcing the culture of the ruling class or the ruling elite or whatever, or like the status quo. I just want someone that's qualified. Right. And so it's, 
it's shifting that perspective. It's shifting of that perspective. What to be like, well, what is means. that? Yeah, what is that norm? And yeah. like, why do we need that qualification instead of just going along with that? What is it about having a master's degree that automatically means that you think somebody is going to do the job better over somebody who could, who's probably maybe been doing this work for fifty years or you know twenty five years versus somebody who just got a master's degree who doesn't have any experience whatsoever? You know, right, why yeah. does that master's degree hold so much weight for you? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, interesting. All right, so you're putting out, when you advertise for jobs, you're working yes. with Phoebe to recruit. Increase, yeah, to, to, at, to, at, to widen. At, I mean, I know it's only been like three months, but yeah. like, have, <laughs> did you get any bun yet? <laughs> Actually, yeah, you, you know, you know, part of the things that we're doing, you know, there are also things in the interview process that we're looking at is like, you know, the city has made this commitment to making itself more equitable and inclusive of multicultures, right? And, and the so, governors, the governor sent out a proclamation. The, right? And so, <laughs> oh, great. We got a big paper that says that we're going to, that we we are doing this. But yeah, like, so what the are city, the actions yeah. that we're really doing? Yep. You know, in the interview process, it's like, what are the questions that we're asking? Are we actually asking people whether or not they have the same, you know, that the, what their vision is for this city? Are we actually asking people if they even understand what, you know, equity is and what we're talking about when we say, you know, marginalized communities or, you know, underrepresented populations, like we have to make sure that the people that are coming on board have some sort of basic knowledge of what it means to be inclusive in the workplace. Um, And so, you know, restructuring our questions to make sure that they are inclusive in that way. Um, Thinking about the work requirements, I I had a great conversation um, with Phoebe the other day around there's one section in our job description that talks about, you know, the physical and mental requirements for the job. And I was like, whoa, red flag right there for anybody who is differently abled, right? They're going to see that immediately and go, oh, crap, there's physical, you know what I mean? And it's literally it lists out things like the ability to see. The ability to what stand job for so what job? I don't remember. It was just, um, you know, we're just kind of going through our policies and right. procedures, trying to like right. shore them up and change them. Yeah. Um, things that she wasn't able to do because she started right before COVID, uh-huh, <laughs> and then yeah. COVID hit, and we all know what happened then. Um, and so, you know, thinking about like, I'm like, we don't. We talk about this section isn't even necessary, right? Because what we want to do is we just want to invite people to the table to, and then they can tell us whether or not they can do the job. You know, like it does it. We don't have to have all of these, you know, barriers in the way to say, like, if you can't stand, if you can't walk, if you can't do this, if you can't do this, you might not want to consider working here. That's not the message that we want to send. We want to send the message that we are going to we want people to work, come work for us. And we want lots of different people to come work for us. And if for some reason you need an accommodation in order to do your job, we'll put that in place for you. Right. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we present in that way when we are advertising for employees. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about the cops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Okay. Now, I believe we should support the police. What is your position? No. So the, the (laughs) the Burlington Police Department, I mean, there's a lot of attention about the Burlington Police Department. Yes. And I don't really want to talk about the Burlington Police Department. Yeah, no, can we not? We're in Winooski. (laughs) We're different. But I wanted to ask, what is going on, if anything, with the Burlington Police Department? Are you not involved at all? with the Winooski? Sorry, with the... Sorry, yeah. yeah. We're a different city, so I'm concerned about what's happening in Winooski. Yes. And I'm wondering, you know, in in your role, have you had any actions 
conversations. Absolutely. What oh. are, what are you doing with with the Berlin or God? The I'm Winus- so used to yeah, saying it. It's okay. With the, with the, the Winooski Police Department. <laughs> I have, I of course, I'm working with the Winooski Police. That was some of the first people, you know, connecting with Rick, our um, our chief, was one of the first things that I had on my list that I wanted to do when I first started this job because I realized that it's really important, especially with the culture of the nation at the moment. Um, and what I have learned since, I, you know, in my talks with the Winooski Police Department, in my talks with the community about the Winooski Police Department, is that Winooski has done a really wonderful job of um, making itself, like making people understand that they are a police department for the people and that they are really, they're trying to put the community first in what way, they, whatever ways that they can. I, I was really surprised actually when I kind of came in and I found out about the work that they've been doing around diversifying their workforce. They started making efforts to recruit um, officers and, and people of color long before I came on the job. And they actually have done, they've been successful in that. I believe that they have three new officers that just started or are about to start this year who are all people of color, one of whom I believe is an immigrant. Um, and they have worked and, and not only to recruit, but also to make sure that the way that they're operating as a police force is supportive of the people who are marginalized members in that force. And so, you know, Rick, he sat down with me and we've had many meetings about the things that they're doing um, to make sure that that's OK, like a mentorship program, like partnering with somebody in the force or somebody else um, that is able to kind of like give them the stepping stones to feel like they are supported and to kind of get to know the job and get to know the community. Um, The community outreach that the Winooski Police Department does, I think is amazing, even in the way that they structure their daily, you know, kind of roots and and, and their their daily business as police officers thinking about... Yeah, give me an example. How do they structure? Like, for example, some people, you know, some other police departments might, um, you know, when it comes to their, uh, I forget what they're, like their routes, like kind of like when when people are on patrol, right? They might assign a specific officer to a specific area because they think that that's the best way to be able to cover the whole city. So they'll say, you know, like, okay, this officer is going to do this neighborhood. This officer is going to do this neighborhood. But the Winooski Police Department is like, no, we want all of our officers to be known and, and, and be seen in all neighborhoods. And so it's not necessarily about, you know, tracking time in a specific neighborhood or tracking. <laughs> are there neighborhoods in Winooski? <laughs> yeah, there are. Like, what? There are. They're kind of like sectors of the community. You know what I mean? And so they really make a point of having like patrol officers making sure that they, you know, kind of spread out throughout the city and and not necessarily assigning one officer to one place because they want to be seen as as a team, right? They don't want, they don't want necessarily want, um, you know, one community relying and no getting to know one particular officer because mm-hmm. they like them or they're cool or whatever. They want all of the officers to have a really positive relationship and rapport with all of the community, um, which is just different than what and, I have and, and you've seen got, and you, before. And did you get that sense from the, from the community being policed? Yes. You know, because I'm, I'm very skeptical of, of the police um, as a, as their function in society, not not just like, so yeah, I mean, you can have a nice police department. But right, what, but what they're still that, a part of that system. They're still a part of that system. Is, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, at the end of the day, the police exist to protect the propertyed class. Well, and- <laughs> that's something that Rick Ebert is trying to change. Like, really. I mean, you know, we I feel like in Winooski they have, yeah, they are a part. And so that's always something that, I, that I'll say is like, you know, 
I respect you as a police officer. I and I have other police officer friends that I respect and I have a I have a cop and friend. that I know. You know what I mean? And that I know. Yeah. However, I'll tell them, but you're still a part of that system, right? Like you're still like until you can show me that the that you are really working to try to dismantle that possibly from within, like maybe that's your their thing that you're doing, that's great. But like you kind of gotta prove that to me, right? Like you yeah. gotta you gotta show me that you're looking to to make that system change. Because if it doesn't, we're still gonna see the same outcomes that we've been seeing which are, you know, the murder and the the killings of BIPOC people in the street. Yeah, what are the um and I would I would also add of of, of everybody, you know, I mean they they the the, the like uh, so everybody knows that um you know, you're what three times more likely to mm-hmm. die at the hands of a police officer. Yep. But, you know, the flip side to that too is that by just pure numbers, the the police kill far more white people. And so what I've always tried to do is I try to bring people along for that ride, like from my perspective, Mm -hmm. just to kind of show that like, well, there's a problem with disparity politics, right? Right. And and another way to put what I'm saying is because this is not a this is not an all lives matter claim. I was going to (laughs) say, where are you going with this, dude? Uh, Hold on. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'll wait. I'll wait. (laughs) Okay. Here's here's what I'm saying. It wouldn't be a just society if the cops killed every demographic at the same rate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. So we have to be looking to something beyond solving the disparity issue. And that's right. where I'm going with it. Um, if if that's, uh, hopefully that's a distinction from well, the All Lives Matter about, crowd for yeah, you. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, the whole defund the police, um, the, you know, campaign that's happening. Um, and, and really, <laughs> you know, trying to get people to understand what that really means is an, a reallocation of resources, right? The police, I've talked to folks about this before, and I've talked to my, my officer friends about this before. The whole, you know, law enforcement was created as a reactive system, right? That's the whole point of it is to react when something has gone wrong, to react when someone has broken the law, to enforce the laws. It's not proactive in any way, shape, or form. It's not proactive in in ways, you know, we always we try we say that, oh, the police officers are there to protect us. The police they don't, officers they don't there are there. Crime. Right. They don't prevent crime. They arrest the bad guys when crime has happened, right? Or the people, you know, when something has happened, or when the, the law has the been broken, that, or that broke maybe the, not. the ruling elites laws. <laughs> the ruling elites laws. Yeah. And so the focus needs to be on the proaction, right? It needs to be on how we can prevent crime from happening. And I mean, gosh, I feel like I'm going to, I could go, I'm opening up a can of worms, right? I mean, this is a, this is a rabbit hole that we could go down in this discussion. I know we don't have all day. Um, No, but we do have most of it. But we talk, we talk about mental health and and uh-huh. I all I want to put a plug in for this because it's also my background as well social work and mental health agency like that's you know I studied social um social work in school and that's you know I come from working with children who have behavioral challenges from the special ed background and so I see the pipeline like I, I I've worked in it I've watched it happen I've been in situations where I have advocated for one thing and the system has put something in place that completely that just completes to perpetuate the system and the pipeline, the school to prison pipeline. And the people that are the most affected by that are 
people who are people of color or people who have disabilities. And for me, like it's a hard stop there. Like just that alone is a reason for why we need to defund the police and put more funding towards the proactive mental health supports that we could use within our education system, within our communities to help support people who are struggling before they get to the point of adjudication. Right. And the city is actually doing that. We have hired um, another youth interventionist position to work with the um, Restorative Justice Center of Burlington because we don't have one just yet, but hopefully we'll be bringing that back um, to try in a preventative measure for at-risk youth who are, you know, who are youth that our police department are engaging with on, you know, on a, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. It's youth that are known and the, you know, the police department are very much like, please, we don't want to have to engage with these kids. You know, like we know that there's a better way. They're not way. trained to do that, right? It's not the right. function. It's exactly. not their function. And so, and they know that. And that's a great thing about the Winooski Police Department is like they understand that there are some preventative measures that could be put in place and that they don't necessarily have that training. And they want other people to come in who do specialize in that training to help prevent them having to have these interactions right. with youth in our community. Yeah, you're right about the the word and the phrase defund the police because it is misunderstood. It because is. what you're really what you're really an, an abolitionist too. What you're really saying is we would like this to focus the shift away from punitive, yes. you know, punishments and retribution, right, to preventing why people commit crimes in the first place, exactly. and then when crimes are committed or when there is harm that we have a restorative and just way of working through that as a society for, for both parties. Yep. Um, and I think that's, if you said that to someone, it, you know, that I think a lot of people would get on board with right, it. But it when clicks. you're just like defund police, it, it clicks the wrong way for like a well, lot of people. Well, I also think that there are a lot of people who just don't want to hear it either. That's you true. Know? I'm, like, not, I'm, not defending, I'm not defending that. but <laughs> Because if you think about the word, if you, if you are a critical thinker and you just think about the word defund, that doesn't mean take away. That doesn't mean, you know, close all the police stations. It means switch things around. You know, it means... It and means, over time, like not immediately. Right. Like... I don't think anyone is actually advocating that we shut down all of the police departments immediately without actually doing the other parts. Right. We have to create a different system. That's what a lot of this work is about. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, wow. on that, then we agree. <laughs> I re I'm really glad that um, you, you had so little faith in me that you thought I was going down an all lives uh, matter. Okay. Route. <laughs> lot of different situations over my know, lifetime. It's weird. After 40 minutes in the conversation, he pulled that on me. <laughs> no, I, this has been great, actually. I All think, right. Yeah, I, thanks. Yeah. So, Yasmin Gordon, thank you so much. This has been really fun. It and really has. I would love to do it again in, like, uh, in winter or spring and catch six up months, to see yeah. six months and see what this consulting firm has come up with. We'll see and, where we're at, because that's going to be right in the thick of election season. Oh, one last thing. How can people... And can people get involved and support the work that you're doing in, in, the, in the city? I would say, you know, there are going to be coming up, there are going to be multiple opportunities for community involvement and input. It's going to be advertised widely. You're going to hear about it. You're going to see about it. Hopefully it's going to be so in your face that so you're going to- Front gonna, porch forum, the fr internet, every, oh, flyers. Oh yeah, front porch forum. Yeah. No, <laughs> no it's, I mean, it's going to be everywhere. And so show up. 
come to the things, come to the events, show up. If you can't make it to the event, there are going to be alternative ways for you to get your voice heard. Um, Is there anything specific on the calendar we can plug right now that we could say not yet because our first meeting with the firm is not till next week. Um, And so, but I can say that, um, let me think like supporting the school and supporting the, the school liaison team, pay attention to the conversations that are happening um, around the anti-racism steering committee in WSD right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they are about to embark upon a lot of work as well. And so those meetings are also public, um, you know, really pay attention to when those are happening. And if you want to be involved, go to those meetings, join that effort as well. Cause that is student and youth led. And that is extremely important as well to include the youth voices in this process. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. If you'd like to support this show, the best way to do that is just to share, share, share on social media, tell a friend, text this episode to a friend. And also, if you can go on to whatever uh, podcast digestion system you choose, Apple, Spotify, etc., and rate the show if possible, that would also help uh, raise our visibility and it would be much appreciated. Thank you and bye.